Welcome back to the Lion Nose Podcast. We're picking up from our last main episode, An Evening at the Overlook. Part one. And this is... Part two. Part Ooh. two. So, I had this dream the other day, right? Oh, mm-hmm. pray tell. Imagine if global pop stars just became like really hipster. Mm-hmm. And they were like on their Instagram stories. It's like, hi guys, like new announcement, latest avant-garde experiments with like tape machines and reverb reversed vocals <laughs> and it's all coming to you on limited run next month <laughs> like just imagine if that was reality you'd love it i would you're all about that you'd buy all of the vinyls <laughs> well, if it was a load of rubbish then i wouldn't would i you'd have them pre-orders and then i'd probably just try to argue that it was brilliant but like it's like oh, have you heard this new achievement song so great on the spoons on the spoons <laughs> ed sheeran on the spoons imagine though ed sheeran just an- announces his new world tour <laughs> like hi guys i'm coming to you from my house in surrey i don't know whether he lives in surrey or not but i imagine he does and he's like ah oh, like I've, my new album is all about spoons <laughs> and like just him playing spoons for like three hours <laughs> his album cover just a spoon now, how so. many people do you think would buy it Loads. It's got his name At attached to it. You. I wouldn't. I don't particularly care for Mr. Sheeran, but like, I'm sure he's a lovely chap and all. But like, <laughs> I just imagine if they just did things different. Like, they just changed it up a bit. Mm. They didn't play it safe, writing pop yeah. songs. They just they went for the spoons, went yeah. for the chanting, went for like some, you Gregorian. know, Gregorian. Like, they like their tour starts and they're on stage and there's like loads of smoke and fog and they just come out and they're just like, hum. <laughs> For three hours, <laughs> and like all the kids are like, "Oh my god, I love this one!" <laughs> like we're gonna do this one now. It's a shape of you, but we're gonna do it in Gregorian. Well, anyway, it was just a dream. It was. It. Some may say I'm a dreamer, <laughs> well, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Just a thought, I think you know. You might be the only one there. Anyway, let's get on with it. That makes me sound like I'm not interested. But I've, I have. Developed a fondness that has never been there before. An absolute devoted love to The Shining mm. after doing these episodes. Yeah. I even bought a doormat. <laughs> I even bought a doormat that reads Overlook Hotel <laughs> on, the, on the backdrop of the carpet. On the backdrop of the carpet from oh. The Shining. Yeah. Slowly, just... slowly becoming Jack Torrance. Going insane. <laughs> Should play the jingle? Let's play the jingle. Play the jingle. Let's start this episode in the ballroom. Before we start in the ballroom, I think we just need to clear something up. Just for some of the viewers might not know Okay, what avant-garde actually is. Fair enough. Right. We've said it a lot and it might just make us sound pompous. It's going to crop up a little more, a little bit more in this episode as well. Yeah. So. so we might as well just get out of the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the dictionary. The dictionary. <laughs> the dictionarian. <laughs> 
explanation of it is new and experimental ideas and methods in art, music, or literature. I like it. Yeah, so it's just basically just people pushing the boat out. Yeah. That's what it is. Just just doing something that's not not of the norm. Alright. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. So we're gonna start in Back the, ballroom. the ballroom. The ballroom. Or as it's referred to sometimes, the gold room yeah. in the film. In part one, we talked about the opening scene, uh, the typewriter scene with the use of orchestration within the music and the image, and we even discussed some sound design with Danny's trike scenes. We did. Yep. Mm. We all know our love for Danny's trike scenes. Well, they do now. Well, pretty well, much. Unless you, you battled it out. It. And if you haven't, go listen to it. Mm. <laughs> the point in the film which we're starting from today is when Jack Torrance is, sit- is starting to hallucinate and see manifestations. Oh, it's damn, it's going to get real crazy. It's going to get crazy. Spooky <laughs> ghosts. Um, on his first visit to the ballroom, Jack sits at the bar alone, all sullen, when out of nowhere, a ghost named Lloyd appears. Oh, sounds, good like, old Lloyd. sounds like a nice ghost. He's a lovely chap, and he's dressed in a lovely red uniform. I'd, honestly, if all ghosts were like Lloyd, I think people would be a lot more accepting Just of ghosts. Coming and offering you whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. And not even charging you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, well... The previously empty shelves behind Lloyd are suddenly fully stocked with all sorts of wondrous alcohol bottles, mm. and Jack starts ordering a bourbon on the rocks. Even though he's a raging alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. he's covering that well. Mm. But I mean, I think Lloyd sees through the, the mask. Mm. Um, he explains to Lloyd that although he would never hurt his son, he has injured him by accident in the past. Just and the he, once. Just the once. When he was drunk. You know, would you believe it? That's, his ex- that's a good excuse. And that's always a good excuse. He calls his wife, Wendy, a bitch. <gasps> for never letting him forget about it, even though it was three years ago. I mean... I mean, if you break... You know, if you hurt your, your son, I mean, I wouldn't let you forget about it. I, I don't know. What, what, what is it they say about uh, comedy? It's just... Comedy? <laughs> what are you... I thought you were going to be like, forgive and forget. I know. No, no. You know what they say about like comedy? It's, it's, it's like tragedy plus time. You're strange. Yeah. Anyway, what a, ty- what, a, what a typical bar scenario, really. Like, you know, a man... A drunk mm-hmm. rambling to the bartender. Professing his sort of yeah. hatred for his wife. That's awful, isn't it? It is. Never mind. Yeah. On cue, Wendy interrupts. Wendy being Jack's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he in- she interrupts this encounter by running in and wailing about someone else being in the in the hotel with them. How Who's- dare oh, she? She's, a- she's a- telling everybody, or she's telling Jack... That she thinks someone's in the house, in the hotel, even, attacking Danny. But she's interrupting Jack's precious drinking time. Exactly. Well, he's fake drink. He's sort of, he's pretending to drink. <laughs> um, and, you know, she's previously accused him of attacking Danny, so she's got some nerve, really. She does. Yeah. How dare she? I always thought it was really funny in that scene, because he's, he, she's, she comes running in and she's like, Jack! Jack, there's someone in the hotel! He's, she, and... It's attacking Danny. And like Jack just turns slowly. He's like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> and I just like thought that was cool because he's clearly the one who was out of his mind. Yeah. Mm. But he's, he's sort of just telling how it is. He's like, you're the crazy one. <laughs> you're seeing things. I'm having a drink with my ghostly friend here. <laughs> seeing this empty glass of what used to be whiskey was bloody delicious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, throughout this entire scene, there's no music. Yet, the sound design in the scene is worthy of note. Ooh. Ooh. What happens, John? Yeah, yeah. The dialogue between Jack and Lloyd is methodical, and it's not complex or anything. It just flows nicely at a steady pace. Mm-hmm. 
After each sentence, there's a lovely little wash of reverb, which gives us the sense of the grand empty space which they're in, they are in. Mm. The massive ballroom. The, the massive ballroom, yeah. That's, I mean, that's really that's that's, that's a quite a clever little touch. Well, that. it's like it's one that if it wasn't there, you would notice it straight away. Mm-hmm. It yeah. kind of blends in. Yeah. The pauses and the cadences in Jack's Jack Nicholson's performance are like perfectly weighted, and the spaces of the silence in between the conversation draw the viewer in, and it's really mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. yeah, that is something that is quite interesting with a lot of films. It's you know obviously like The Shining's not the be all and end all of of sound design, although mm-hmm. it is incredible. Mm-hmm. This is it's like a normal thing to do because it. it you don't notice that it's there, but you would notice that it wasn't there. So it adds yeah. more to the realism, even though it's an effect, mm-hmm. which is quite a cool little yeah. cool little thing. So you've got this conversation going on, and really what's important is the is the gaps in between the conversation, mm-hmm. like the, the space in between. And when Wendy's like Pearson scream, and it is Pearson. <laughs> like it always it, is. It always is. When it interrupts Jack and Lloyd talking, the viewer is like ripped from the moment. You're like mm-hmm. ripped from jack's hallucination yeah you're like torn out of this scene and you're back in the reality it's been like a like a slow like you're saying like methodical pace to the conversation and then suddenly it's she's she's in screaming yeah, yeah 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 and you're like grab from it and then jack's face is all like he's fed up because he can't be bothered to deal with it <laughs> and she's like torn him from his lovely conversation with lloyd mm. and i feel like the music in that is is the main it's it's not the sound design even sorry not the music mm. but mm. the uh yeah. is, is the main culprit in yeah causing this tension yeah, because it's it kind of like it almost lulls you into a false sense of security. That kind of, you know, really slow paced, lots mm. of gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheeky little bit of reverb. Nah. Mm. Who doesn't love a bit of cheeky reverb? Just hides all the cracks when Does, you're singing, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> like pasting over the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then, yeah, it's just it's just a nice way of um, making it like, because, it, you know, this film is really good at making these visceral moments where you, where, your brain is suddenly it like turns a corner yeah that you never knew was there yeah mm. it's marvelous it is very clever so that was the first scene with the gold room slash ballroom and the second starts with jack walking into the room and we hear Midnight Stars and You by the Ray Noble Orchestra with Al Bowley. It's a fucking banger. It is an yep. absolute tune. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's have about a rave. I love this song rave so much. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. Well. It's the one it's the song that's often most associated with the shining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just eerie and cool. It's not eerie and when you listen to it out of context, but I think because but, it's in the yeah. shine, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it has this sort it's of... It's actually just a really nice song. It is a lovely song. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. And uh, if you stick around to the end, what we're going to do, Ben? Going to give you a, a little rendition of our version of it. Our own take. Mm-hmm. So stick around for that, if anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, it's a wonderful song. It is. So um, I always thought that the, all the reverb and the ambient stuff on that song sort of added... Was like added for The Shining. Yeah, I thought it was to make it sound like it was in the ballroom, mm-hmm. like really, you know, big. But it's not. It's just because it's old and the the recording techniques at the time make it sound a bit woolly and a bit like. All oh, right. Yeah, it's that like cool. Because when you listen to it, the recorded version, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Oh. It sounds like. Yeah. So it's not been like manipulated at all. No, it might have been a little bit, but it's honestly yeah. it's the same because it's still like kind of muddy and kind yeah. of yeah. washy. 
That's, I love it. Yeah, I, that's cool. That you need a bit of filth on your recordings nowadays. Yeah, like you do. Everything's too clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, the song blends perfectly with the setting. As Jack enters the ballroom, a party is in full swing. Oh, and it is swinging. It is. <laughs> They're all mingling, drinking, smoking, and there's this great like cancerous fog <laughs> that looks really aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it's probably hard, really hard to breathe in this yeah. on the set, mm. but. Turning the like, a wallpaper thick yellow. layer of smoke. Yeah, it's like a flappers and dandy part, but everybody's just sitting around with like long cigarette holders and yeah. martinis and oh, the thirties. Honestly, what a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Jack makes his way to the bar once again. Obviously, mm-hmm. alcoholic. Um, <laughs> and and he needs to see Lloyd, doesn't he? He meets he our friend Lloyd. He does with Al Bowley's vocals filling in the gaps in their conversation this time. Mm. There's no maddening silence to this scene. Yeah. Anyway, the, the hallucination is much more vivid than the last in the ballroom. Um, Jack gets up and has a little wibbly-wobbly waltz. When, the, when, of all people, a waiter knocks into him and spills advocat all over him. You just kind of get the help these days. What all over the hell well. is advocat? It's like, is it, not, so, has it not got like egg in it? Is it eggnog? I, I, is it like a, a posh eggnog? I, I don't I know. I think it is like lemon juice, lime juice. I didn't even, I don't know what it was. It looks awful. It does. It looks luminous. But it smells mm. awful. And, oh, God, it's awful. It looks, like, looks like you're sick the next day. It, do- it would oh, be God. atrocious. Honestly, horrendous. That I, just, I just love how you assume you're going to be sick after drinking it as well. Yeah. Oh, well. Have you seen it? It's called Avocat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the noise that'll be making over the toilet. It's a term uh, for it's a... A... <laughs> Say it really quick. It's a term for a lawyer. Avocat. <laughs> there you go. I wonder if there's some link there. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, the waiter, after covering Jack in said eggnog mm. uh, leads him to the bathroom where he's going to wipe it off with a bit of water I just love it when he taps him on the back though and oh, he just, it's he, amazing yeah. <laughs> he's like oh yeah you got it everywhere and he's like taps the waiter on the back yeah. and there's a handprint <laughs> yeah. of yeah. it's great we find out that the waiter is in fact the previous caretaker <gasps> of the Overlook Hotel. He is not. He is indeed. Oh my lord. What are the odds? I know. And the ghosts must be on a rotor covering shifts. It must be short <laughs> because I mean he's the waiter and he's the previous caretaker, so yeah. he's pulling the hours in. Or is he? Oh. Has he has he not always just been the waiter? Hey. <laughs> hey. Get that tinfoil hat off. Okay. Well the pre- <laughs> by the law of the book in the film. The previous caretaker murdered his family with an axe and stacked them neatly in a pile. Mm. And I mean, you could make it easier for oh, the cleaner people the next day. You if you're going to murder... It might, it might be him as well. He you might know, be the yeah. cleaner. Yeah. But well, I mean, he's, he's the way He's covering jobs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he, he killed his family with an axe and he convinces Jack to do the same. Mm. Whilst he's cleaning him up, he's, he's rubbing his jacket. He's like... Mm. Yeah. It's, like it's his go-to, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just your go-to conversation starter. Like, yeah, it's just like mm, maybe you should kill your family. Mm. You should try it with an axe. It's really good. It's really good. Fun. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> the best way. It doesn't take much convincing because Jack's head is definitely not in the right place. Mm. It's more of like a just a general nudge. He's just like you know, it's going, if you, you know you're a bit bored. Don't want to do this. It's like oh, I hadn't thought about using an axe before. <laughs> <laughs> well, this scene plays out in the bathroom with only the waiter, whose name is Delbert Grady, and Jack talking. It's similar to the previous encounter with Lloyd, the ghost before you know the, the ghost mm, way yeah. because their dialogue is like weighted perfectly and there's yeah. no real urgency to the performance yeah. it's very like methodical yet here we are going to talk about again the genius of Gordon Stainforth the music editor mm. for The Shining unreal mm. 
He's a legend. He is indeed. So, in these scenes, yeah. well, in this particular scene, mm-hmm. Kubrick wanted the music to be really prevalent in order to create juxtaposition between the content of the conversation and the music. Mm-hmm. So, Gordon Stainforth, mm-hmm. musical editor extraordinaire. All-round legend. Mm-hmm. Aye. He does like mountain climbing as well. He does. Mm-hmm. Me and him will get Sounds on. Sounds like you're a bit of a stalker. It's, got, it's on his website, man. <laughs> <laughs> Public information. Yeah. So, uh, Stainforth stated that it was a bit of a nightmare having to pl- like play the music loud in this scene because it meant that the dialogue was being drowned out by the music. Right. So, so like Jack and Delbert's mm-hmm. conversation yeah. was being yeah. drowned out. Mm. And he said it took about three days and some very clever editing, oh. uh, but the result was praised by Kubrick. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, when the soundtrack of the film was put into stereo in around 2007, mm. Stainforth wasn't involved in the process mm. and believed that it did not have the same effect mm-hmm. that the original did right. and admitted that there were some mistakes made. Oh, <laughs> Having said that, he's still incredibly proud of his work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's got, all, he's got all the right in the world to he complain does. about someone messing up his his. Perfect work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he spent a lot of time cutting tapes and all sorts. Because the interesting part about this scene in the conversation between Jack and mm-hmm. and the waiter, uh, the waiter Delbert Grady, is that um, in between their speech, um, the 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 lyrics of the songs in the background are actually mm-hmm. you can hear them. You can yeah. hear mm. them, the, the words. Yeah, can indeed. So that's where the juxtaposition is created in this scene, which mm-hmm. is really, really clever. And it's, so it's the, the lyrics that are kind of coming through the most are lyrics like home and uh, like f- lyrics about forgiveness and stuff, which right. is contrary to what is actually happening in the scene where he's basically saying, why don't you just go chop up your family in a little bits? Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, oh, it's, that sort of thing tickles me. I just, yeah. I just love it. It makes yeah. me so happy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a nice, clever little, clever little thing. Also in this scene, um, you've got these like it, it's it's like another clever p- little piece of editing because when I first watched this film, I didn't realize that the sound was done that way. It just sounds like he's you know like the door's yeah. being closed and it's kind of muffled in the yeah. background, which obviously when when you do when you're doing films and stuff, the band isn't really there on the other side of the door playing yeah. this thing. So the, yeah. there's the actors aren't playing to any kind of soundtrack going on. Mm. And so you, you just kind of think like, oh, it's just a nice, clever little bit of like Foley design mm-hmm. in there just to, just to make it like, just you know, seem real. Yeah. But it, it actually has such a, a bigger impact on the scene than, than originally thought. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize either about yeah. all that until you said so. Mm-hmm. It can be lost Yeah. on a, on a first viewing, but the, yeah. if you rewatch the scenes, it, mm-hmm. it is eerie how it, yeah. it's just bleeding into their conversation all of mm-hmm. these themes like the song's called one of the songs called it's all forgotten now yeah mm-hmm. and it's just ooh, it's just a bit like it's just teasing you mm-hmm. yeah that's another thing is that i didn't realize that it wasn't just one song mm. playing in the background as well it's yeah. like it's two songs cut together it is, which yeah. is another like really cool thing that it was done so well that you would never notice that there is an applause in between <gasps> isn't that marvelous you just hear it mm. so he's cutting applause in yeah that is really cool so you got you get the feeling of this reality even though this is a complete hallucination mm-hmm. 
like it's all in Jack's head, really. Or it's the hotel mm-hmm. playing on 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 Jack's sort of yeah. descent into madness, and he's sort of this apparitions are manifestation and more manifestations are showing themselves. Um, but it's so visceral that like there's a there's still an audience outside listening to the band. Yeah, I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's one of those things where you you don't notice it it's like you know what we we're saying before about the reverb mm-hmm. you would notice it if it wasn't there mm-hmm. but it makes the whole it's like the, this whole film i think the reason that it's really creepy is because it seems so real yeah like it's the little details it's all the atmosphere created yeah, by yeah. everything yeah like, mm-hmm. like you're saying all the little details just create like the realism for it yeah so it's like creating like like it's, it's it's creating tension but in a really really clever way that's not done in a lot of horror films you know like we have a lot of you know, stuff at the minute where the music is cueing a scare that's going to come up. Mm. So you have like yeah. these really, really tense chords building up, which is obviously something that they use yeah. in this film as well that we kind of went through in the in the last episode. Mm. But it's it's these little things that just make it. It's not it's not creepy because it's what you're watching is scary. It's creepy because what you're watching is kind of unnerving, but it could have happened. Yeah, like it's, mm. it's, it's real. It's believable. Okay, so it gets a little complicated regarding the music in the latter half of the film. Yeah, I think it's it's worth saying that the the music in the second half of the film is just bloody fantastic. Yeah, it's wonderful. It I love me. Yeah. You know, it might be a little bit complex, but you know, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. It's definitely 100%. worth it. Mm. The Shining is synonymous with one composer in particular. Yeah, Christoph Penderecki. Oh, the man himself. Oh, the man himself. What a lad. Mm. Now, Penderecki was born in 1933. In Downbitzer, Poland. Mate. I know. I think I nailed that pronunciation. The confidence on it as well. Yeah. Went for it. It's all about the confidence. He is regarded as one of the world's most renowned contemporary composers. He lived through the Second World War and the Soviet communism that followed. Hmm. Penderecki, along with other young artists in 1950s Europe, rebelled against their occupation through creativity and music and look forward to shape something new with their art yeah that is super badass it's so cool it is so cool so cool like it's something that doesn't sound cool like when you say it but like the concept of you know rebelling through music in you know like in during an occupation mm-hmm just class. Oh, like so imagine cool. being able to do that. I mean, I don't want to be ever be in a, in no. a position where I have to do that. Hopefully, but yeah. just oh, that never me. happens. But yeah, yeah, just trying to change the culture. Yeah, yeah. seeing something through art, Ben. That's like, yeah, what a great thing. It's the dream. It is. Yeah. So, suggested listening for anybody interested would definitely be song for cherubim, for mixed choir, or, or and, Threnodi. <laughs> For the victims of Hiroshima, and that is a title that will ruin your Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, it's brilliant. It's fascinating. Um, we'll leave some links in the in the show notes in case yep. you wanna you wanna have a little penderecki. It's definitely worth a listen. Yeah, have a little penderecki evening. <laughs> Own a bottle of wine. <laughs> Get weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's been John's night every night this week. <laughs> honestly, since we started research for like The Shining and 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 the music. I have to admit that I am a Penderechkiite. Oh, yeah. Technical term? That has a new word Sounds, I have I was coined. Say it. Sounds like you've made that up. <laughs> it's a new term. 
And it just means that I am solely dedicated to Penderecki. He is just fascinating. What you can't actually see is that uh, John has made his own T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is now only de- uh, dedicated to him. The Penderecki fan. Decorated. It's also the whole room's decorated. <laughs> yes, I am a devotee to Penderecki. <laughs> An addict. Yeah. I was trawling through YouTube for like interview clips and like not necessarily to do with The Shining, but like just Penderecki in general. Just your own personal research. Just, That's just what it was. Just yeah. hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I found this one. I came across it out of the blue and it was Penderecki giving a little biography on himself, you know, mm. going through like some stories and stuff. And he started talking about Stanley Kubrick and my ears were like, boom. <laughs> like, I was like a bat. I was like, Stanley like, Kubrick? Like when the meerkats stand up. Yeah, literally. It was like, whoa, what's that? Anyway, um, apparently, according to Penderecki himself in this interview, mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick asked Christoph Penderecki to write the score for The Shining. Before? For Wendy Carlos. Yeah. yeah. Nuts, nuts. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you know what he said? What did he say? No. Oh. Because he's too busy. <laughs> Imagine being that like confident in your work and just be like, oh, no, I don't have time for you, Stanley. No, not going to work with you. I'm sure he was pretty busy, but like, that yeah, is funny, I'm, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't like a personal yeah. decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did like give Kubrick some ideas, though, yeah. some song of choices. Music. Yeah, of, of Christoph Penderecki gave um, Kubrick some suggestions to use for The Shining. Definitely think of those royalties. Like, oh, yeah, that. so it it wasn't like a here's some suggested listening for you. Go find another composer who can do this kind of stuff. It was actually him being like, these are the kind of stuff that you could use right, out of my main. my yeah. my right. compositions. That's, cool. That's nice. There is a little thing where um there was there was a big legal case with Kubrick and using other composers' music in oh, his right. previous films, but uh, so I think he might have learned he learned his, le- learned his lesson. Got his permission first. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, back in those days, you know, like copyright law was a little bit looser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucy goosey. Cut away with a bit more. Anyway, um, in 1973, a little film called The Exorcist came out. Just a little one. Yeah, and it mm. uses the very same piece of music that is used in The Shining's final climactic sequence. Oh. Um, Penderecki's music is clearly synonymous with the horror genre, favoured among directors um and i almost wonder whether kubrick was aware of this and like applied it to his movie in order to maybe poke fun at the genre maybe he's like yeah and that's something that we've we've kind of discussed yeah. a lot before is whether or not the choices that he makes is kind of like an ironic decision yeah who knows mm. it's a nice little thought though it is he's not making fun of penderecki he's yeah. just he's using jab at like the horror he's, stereotypes yeah he's, he's using stereotypes to try and Say something. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's like he's trying to say like, my film's better than yours. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Who knows? Did you know that Johnny Greenwood, the guitarist and the main creative guy in Radiohead, right, actually collaborated with Penderecki in 2012. Did he? What? He did. That he is... released an album of compositions equal parts Penderecki and Greenwood, along with a string of live dates. Huh. He did. That is. It's pretty good as well. It pretty, live yeah. as well. If you can find it online, have a good listen because it's it's well worth it. Um, in an interview with the Guardian, reputable source, mm. yeah, um, about his co- collaboration with like Greenwood, Penderecki was asked, "Had he ever heard of Radiohead?" And he said he had not, but he had a listen 
and he liked it very much. He said it's very soft and musical. Mm. Kind of the opposite of what Penderecki is. Yeah. yeah. Not um, that he's not musical. I'm not say, saying whoa. that. Like, oh. But it's not soft. It's not soft. No. Some bits are. Yeah. You know, take it a lot. A lot of the stuff in the sh- that using The Shining is not is soft. soft. No, no, definitely no. Um, do you know what my favourite... This is a little digress here, but... Um, <laughs> as, as we always seem to do. <laughs> a little tangent. Do you know what my favourite Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead collaboration is? Go for it. You know, in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, mm-hmm. do you know when there's the ballroom dance? Yeah. And there's Victor Crum, I think that's his name, is with Hermione. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the band that are playing? Yeah. That's Johnny Greenwood and Jarvis Cocker. Shut up. What? <laughs> Actually is. So, um, you know, they sing a song called Can You Dance the Hippogriff? <laughs> it's brilliant. Wow. That's amazing. She came from Greece, she had a thirst for Hogwarts. <laughs> How good is that, man? That is really cool. <laughs> so there you go. Little fun, fun fact for you. Yeah. Oh, mate. Oh, we're not doing the fun fact. I'm taking over fun facts <laughs> for this bit. He's just got too many. That's it. <laughs> Talking about Penderecki, mm-hmm. one of the pieces used, th- well, throughout the latter part of the film, mm-hmm. but s- specifically in the scene I'd like to talk about. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's called um, De Natura Sonoris Number 1. Nice. Oh, pronunciation I king. I know. Normally I get these horribly wrong. We're on point today, lads. <laughs> yeah. Sorting the job. Yeah. So we're gonna, <laughs> the scene I'm going to talk about anyway, it's called... Called the, uh, well, I'm going to call it the staircase scene, the stairs scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's basically... Is, happen- it, is it on the stairs by any it, chance? It is. It happens right. to be on the stairs. Ah. The, um, it's just after Wendy's read Chuck's manuscript. Oh, he's number one hit. He's number one hit. New York but, Times bestseller, yeah. Jack Torrance. <laughs> All work and no play. <laughs> <laughs> just these crazy ramblings, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are uh, wrote on every page, by the way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. literally... Every single page. But, no, but no. sectioned off in uh, really nice little chunks. Lovely. The typography is lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does just read, all work and no play, make Jack a dull boy. I mean, mm. You can see why Wendy's a bit concerned when she reads yeah. it. <laughs> Jack, this is absolutely terrible. <laughs> this is going to make us a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> well, by this point in the film, you kind of tell Jack's going a little bit crazy. Mm. He's kind of losing his marbles a little bit. Lost the plot. Yeah, I think I don't think he's losing them. I think he's they're gone. totally gone. They're kind of going. Yeah, you know, if anything. But <laughs> as the scene's moving on, he's becoming like very erratic and eccentric, waving his arms about as he's walking Wendy down towards the stairs. Mm. Just you know, yeah, he's confronted her, hasn't he? So mm-hmm. yeah, because he's just sick. Mm. He's fed up. Yeah, he is. But I mean, she has a right to be concerned. To be fair, yeah. It's not a healthy way to deal with a relationship, yeah. to be honest. The but thing is, though, it's not directed at him, interestingly. It's just, just like, I just I just want to take little Danny away from this hotel. <laughs> to save Danny, yeah. Yeah, and but then all of a sudden he's just like, <gasps> you just don't care about <laughs> me, do you? <laughs> you don't care about my contract. What would happen to his reputation? I know, exactly. He's got a, he's got a rep- reputation to withhold. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she obviously just doesn't understand what a contract means 
I think she's obviously been worrying about Jack for a while because in this scene she obviously she on uh, walks in with a baseball bat. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, she's also, you know, probably right to do so. <laughs> well, she's been worrying that someone's in the hotel with them. Yeah. Um, all these sort of strange occurrences have happened, mm-hmm. and uh, Jack's talking to ghosts. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and in this scene, he kind of is threatening her mm. pretty badly. It's like, not going to hurt her though. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not hurt her. You do well. Hopefully. Mm. Well, so tell us more, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, the music helps create the atmosphere. Because when the scene begins, Jack is walking towards Wendy, forcing her back towards the stairs as the music from uh, Penderecki is playing. Mm. As they get to the bottom of the stairs, Jack begins to follow Wendy up. She's walking backwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. keeping it. She's like making sure that he's not coming towards mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, quickly. Just, just a little thing in this bit. I, I, I did find this bit not for any music things just mm-hmm. as a little side note mm-hmm. um that it's it's kind of a clever bit of camera work because normally because like jack is is the one who has the power in this scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and normally when somebody has the power in the scene they are looking down at some something else yeah whereas this way it's you know like wendy is looking down on jack and the camera's behind wendy yeah yeah and it's just it's it's kind of interesting because it kind of illustrates how much power Jack has. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like in that scene, it's yeah, just like, it's like it's telling you through the visual that Wendy has the upper hand mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, yeah. What's interesting as well is that during the piece, they both seem to have their own motifs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as the piece is progressing, she starts to go up the stairs, and her she has like a higher pitched motif mm-hmm. the strings it, section yeah. isn't and it? it begins to rise as she she rises higher as well mm-hmm. and jacks is still pretty low but mm-hmm. as as they meet on the kind of it's like a mezzanine yeah landing mm-hmm. area yeah. on the stairs yeah as they meet on the landing both of the pitches kind of equal out together as if they're on equal ground again that's really cool it's yeah. like a very subtle yeah not a subtle thing to do in the music but it took us a while to hear it but mm-hmm. it also feeds into the idea that we were talking about in the previous episode about how the movie orchestrates the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the visual yeah. is playing into the the audio, and the audio is playing into the yeah. visual. Yeah. And uh, as they continue up the stairs, both the motifs continue to follow them. Mm-hmm. So the pitches get higher. The music, because the the scene is escalating, the music becomes wilder, and it's like mm-hmm. everything's like fluctuating, mm-hmm. just going all over the place. It's really hard to like pin down the instruments because both of both of their minds are going a bit erratic as well. Yeah. Like Wendy's panicking and Jack is crazy. So you're saying that the music could be like representing yeah. the intensity of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then as the scene is building, it gets to a final like the final peak where they they're pretty much at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And Wendy um Wendy swings the bat at them, knocks them down the stairs. Oh. Kinda kills the whole vibe. Yeah. <laughs> kills the vibe, man. Yeah. There is a moment in that scene which I always thought was really cool where um, there's like a just before Jack tries to go for Wendy, just before she mm-hmm. swings the bat and hits him, all the music stops. Yeah, and there's this really intense moment of is Jack gonna actually grab her? Yeah, it's it like it it's jarring because you've had this elevation of the strings all mm-hmm. the way up the stairs, and then suddenly there's nothing, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, yeah. something's gonna happen, and then she swings, yeah, and hits him. It's kind of like you know, like when you go when you're trying to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And Where's there's just like no, you, there's, there's there's just like a noise in the background that you don't notice, mm-hmm. and then as soon as it goes away, you're like, oh my god, it's so quiet in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like that. a really jarring thing because you could like just be drifting off to sleep and then all of a sudden you're really awake because something has changed. Yeah. It's like yeah. that, that similar kind of... Yeah. Similar kind of thing. Yeah. And you thought it was going to be rubbish. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> say it was going to be rubbish at all. You, ye of little faith. Good analogy, man. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Gold star. Fuck you, John. <laughs> <laughs> So, the climax of the film comes as Jack, having finally lost the plot, (laughs) he goes on a murderous rampage with an axe and chases his wife and son around the Overlook. The the hotel uh, has an equal part to play in this menace as Mm -hmm. it's projecting all manner of ghostly apparitions for Wendy to kind of see and scare her. Yeah. But all in all, it's a bit of a crazy chase through the hotel. Mm -hmm. Jack's just going nuts. Yeah. So, throughout this final sequence, we hear Penderechki's Polymorphia Ooh. in full. Mm-hmm. There you go. And it is an intense piece of music. Mm. Well worth a listen. Mm-hmm. We'll leave a link as well for that. Yeah, it is very intense though. <laughs> it is. I want to talk about a little bit like why these sounds are unsettling. Mm-hmm. And often, when your ears grow accustomed to something that is so complex and so intense yeah, and sometimes jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, what seems like a load of chaos in the noise is often very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'd say this is going to sound like I'm shitting on jazz bit, but it is kind of like that jazz thing. Like it takes a level of um, like just, just kind of plowing through it just to, just to kind of get to the point where you where you can kind of start to digest the complex yeah. things that are going jumping on. right in. Yeah, just because, you know, like we haven't, you know, for a lot of people that haven't been brought up on jazz music and stuff like that. So oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Avant-garde, definitely mm-hmm. people yeah. haven't, not yeah. many people. Yeah. yeah. And like sometimes, you know, like you hear a lot of people referring to jazz as noise, especially like experimental jazz and free mm-hmm. jazz and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But it's just because people aren't used to hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once you actually kind of... No, you don't even have to under, be able to understand what's going on. No, no, but yeah, yeah. like just kind of having your ears kind of tuned in in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be accepting to yeah. listen to the music. Yeah. Rather than just, this is a load of noise. Yeah, just rather than like, write, oh, like this, just, isn't, this isn't... Rather than writing it off within the first <laughs> 10 seconds. You yeah. Know? But like, I think that's, that's the connotation that comes with horror music mm-hmm. is that we hear something that's maybe jarring, has these eerie sounds mm. these otherworldly sounds and we automatically think oh it's horror music yeah, yeah. just because it's not familiar to us yeah but then when you listen to it out of the horror context mm-hmm. sometimes you hear things and you're like that is actually incredible yeah more like i, I guarantee that mm. that is the way that you would think about it because mm-hmm. it's the synergy between what's happening in the image something scary or something mm-hmm. that's unsettling and this music that's unsettling and we're hmm. not used to, yeah, we kind of just clump it together in the same mm-hmm. definition. Yeah, it is interesting and just slightly off topic, but on the same topic. Um, I want to say the Joker again last night, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, like usually the first time I watch a film, I don't tend to listen to the music, and then the second time that I watch it, I kind of start to break it down a little yeah. bit more. Mm-hmm. And I never realised how much of the film 
like with the with the score behind it, the melody line is literally just two notes. Mm-hmm. Like huh. for for a lot of the film, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of you know other other kind of motifs. Um, yeah. I think we'll probably do maybe it's like a sideline or notes episode on the the Joker. Maybe at some point, maybe a full episode when it comes out. I don't know. It is. Um, what it is out? Do you mean on? No, I mean like, like DVD, on, on like oh, DVD okay. and stuff. You know, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. when we can like watch it again and again Definitely. and again. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's that thing of like it's it's such a simplistic idea but it's really really beautiful but because of the film that it's in it seems really menacing but it's actually yeah. not it's quite a it's quite a beautiful yeah kind of i kind of like music. that as well it's yeah. nice that we that that media works in that way that when you pair things together it can change the context of mm-hmm. music or yeah image it's cool yeah i like it but you know having said all of that polymorphia is is pretty jarring. It yeah. is. It is <laughs> intense. There's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. There's something in the way that this film is conceived, like its meticulous filming, the endless takes, the retakes, mm-hmm. the most finite details are all taken care of and considered. Mm. It's very elegant. And if you start scratching away at the layers, you get further and further into research and, and analysis. Mm-hmm. You just unearth more things that you want to know and find out. Yeah. Um. And I feel like the choice to use these technical pieces of music, like Polymorphia in the last mm-hmm. sequence, they're like pre-existing, they're not made especially for the film, and the splicing of the sound with the image, the idea of the movie orchestrating the mu- the music and vice versa, it's like a ballet, mm-hmm. it's like an opera oh, almost, yeah. yeah, like this idea of tragedy and, and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I feel like it just makes it feel elegant. Yeah. I mean, I've just said it feels like it feels like, but you know what I mean? It, yeah. It has this, I'm trying to say what I want to say, but mm-hmm. it, it, it does feel elegant. Mm-hmm. In, it's, a, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Because it's just my theory, I yeah, suppose. But. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that idea. As yeah. Well. It, I, I understand what you mean as well, because obviously it's a horror film and, you know, the connotations with horror films is that they aren't the opposite of elegant. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot yeah. of them, is, is the, a lot of films are just made to scare you. And, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. This one has a lot more to it than yeah, yeah. Your, your typical slasher film or yeah, yeah, your yeah, typical yeah. horror film. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously that's down to Kubrick. I feel it's a lot more like thriller as well, like yeah, psychological. Th- th- it's a drama as well. It, mm-hmm. There's a, you know, it gets criticised a lot for it, the dialogue not being great, but it's, I mean, who cares? It's really good. Yeah, you're immersed in it when you're watching it. It's, yeah, Kubrick was a genius. I know we say that a lot, but he was. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously there are times where you're like, this is a little bit dated. Mm-hmm. But, as, you know, That's considering... because it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it is dated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate Kubrick's appreciation for Polymorphia mm-hmm. as a piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, he includes the full seven-minute piece in that final scene. In the final... Crazy... Crazy... Crazy thing. Yeah. Um, it does cut the odd few times. For example, when the screen blacks out and we're transported ahead and ahead of time, so it comes up it's like four PM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're like moving on in the scene. Mm-hmm. But the music picks straight back up from the point that that was cut. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Um so you never he, really miss him much. He's like playing the whole thing. He's got this respect for the yeah. music and I feel that that also feeds into the, the elegance idea, but yeah. It's it's nice that he gives it the credit it kind of deserves. Yeah. Um having said that Gordon Stainforth did make it a little crazier yeah. by layering bits on did. top of Polymorphia. 
Mm-hmm. So you're getting this big melange of mm-hmm. sound that's yeah. very sort of jarring. Jarring. Yeah. Jarring is a word we've used lots, but it's very it's apt. A, yeah. Um, it helps with the tension and the sinister feeling in the final moments of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, apart from the odd cut where I mentioned the image and the audio move along without interruption. It's very organic. Yeah. Uh, and as we follow the torrents on screen, like fleeing from Jack while he's limping and uttering weird <laughs> grunts and grunts, stuff. Grunts, yeah. Danny! <laughs> <laughs> he's like wielding his axe. Like Jack even syncs up with the music at various points. Mm-hmm. Again, compliments to the musical editor, Gordon Stainford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just incredible. Like when he swings an axe and he... You know, it, it makes an impact. There mm. is a there's a sting or a stab in the music. Yeah. Bursts through. It's, mm-hmm. it's it just helps with the impact as well of, of the axe coming into things. It's mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. It really is. I th- I think, you know, another thing again, not not sound design related, but it's these moments where you've got really prolonged shots. You know, it's not it's not cutting in between loads and loads of different shots all the time mm. so that it's kind of like confusing to keep track of where you're going. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very much focused on the characters and what they're doing. And that, I feel like that's another kind of elegant part of the film. Mm-hmm. It's like, it doesn't need to be chopping and changing all the time. It's kind of like those um, shots with Danny on the, on the like, trike. Yeah. yeah. Going through it's very the linear. Yeah. As, it's as like, it travels through. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Mm. So this is my theory on how polymorphia kind of fits into the context of the music in the film and it's just my idea I'm a little bit maybe it's a little bit crazy or oh, is it a little bit conspiracy N- not quite but it's <laughs> it's a theory in itself you make me lend them your tinfoil hat here mm-hmm. hey so polymorphia by penderechki is providing an undercurrent mm-hmm. and granted yes we've mentioned it's very intense but there's a contradiction almost by the fact that it's unedited and uncut yet it still has this unsettling cacophonous roar which could be adding to the idea that this is now Jack's true form as this deranged psychopath yeah so throughout the film the music has flirted with like two forms of Jack the Mm -hmm. sane and the insane Mm -hmm. and for example like the part where Ben covered in part one where Jack's at the typewriter and he's looking over the model maze sort of thing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there's this idea of the two there's always this idea of sanity coming back through in my eyes yeah. yeah through one motif in the in the music yeah like because of the changes in the music and the different motifs that are edited by gordon stainforth create um these orchestra- orchestrated scenes we're presented with the idea possibly that jack still has some of his normal family loving side to himself yeah um and granted there isn't much but the idea of hope still trickles through the music mm-hmm. almost like he's not gone Fully crazy yet. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when the music is played out like without cuts, without like any yeah. any editing like as, per se, you mm-hmm. know. Um it develops into this like maddening climax. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if there's no hope left for Jack. Yeah. Like he's finally just succumbed to Yeah. Insanity. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what Polymorphia kind of represents. For me anyway. I know mm-hmm. that's maybe a bit mm-hmm. out there, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good theory. I think you know there's there's definitely some merit in that because I you know for me I feel like this this hotel wants Jack you know like it it wants you know him to yeah like kill his family and 
top mm-hmm. himself and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like, you know, the the other people in the hotel aren't affected the same way. Mm-hmm. So it's like it it's it's like it, it will only choose its victims, mm-hmm. like who, who which the hotel knows that it's going to be able to yeah. like claim. Yeah. So like it could be that like you know deep down this is Jack. Mm-hmm. Like any, like you were saying, in his, in his like true, his true form. form, yeah, yeah. Which is, I like that. It's a cool idea. Yeah, it's just a theory, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you have any of your own theories, our email address is at the end of the uh, the podcast. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll mention it. And it's uh, well, it's it's the line notes <laughs> podcast dot social at gmail dot com. And if mm-hmm. you have your own theories, email them in. The yeah. crazier the better. We'd love to have a theory of uh, uh, read your theories on the music and yeah. The, yeah. Um. Anyway, to kind of wrap this up, at the very end of the film, when Jack is no longer a threat, there is no Penderecki. That left us when Jack's rampage has finished. Hmm. And he's left to freeze in the maze. Yeah. <gasps> Little spoiler. <laughs> Never mind. Um, he becomes a victim of his own insane acts. Mm. There's my little Brexit comment there again. <laughs> or political statement. However, um, the real enemy in The Shining, I feel, mm-hmm. is snow. Oh. <laughs> right. I don't know why. This Go one on, sounds even more crazy than the yeah. last one. Well, this may be a theory, but hey, right, listen to this. Oh, well. If there was no snow, if there was no snowstorm, Danny wouldn't be able to escape through the bathroom window, mm-hmm. right? Because it would be a 40-foot drop or whatever. It wouldn't be a 40-foot drop, but it would be a big drop. It, yeah. it, it would hurt him, at least. And there would be yeah, no I think snow. they're on the second or third no There would be no snow bank up the side, so he wouldn't be able to slide down. Mm-hmm. Anybody attempting to rescue them will be able to just drive straight up to the hotel. Mm-hmm. The phone lines wouldn't be down. Um, you know, and everything would be just much easier if there was no snow. So really, the true enemy... Is snow. But Jack wouldn't have a job if there was, if there was no snow because they would have just kept the hotel open exactly. all summer. So he wouldn't exactly. even need to be there. <laughs> so snow is the real enemy. I guess you're right there. Done. Okay. <laughs> John's crazy ramblings are brought yeah. to an end. You're going to hit the window. So now that we're at the end of our two-part series on The Overlook, mm-hmm. I think it leads nicely mm-hmm. into talking about... Dun-dun-dun! Doctor Sleep. Oh... <laughs> Yeah, so for those of you who may not know, Doctor Sleep is the new film that's going to be coming out this month, next month, next month, November, November, yeah, Sometime, November yeah. two thousand nineteen, and it is the sequel mm-hmm. to The Shining. Yeah. It is, mm. and I am both excited and very nervous, skeptical. Yeah, mm. it. not Sca- nervous in a way that scary. I, I don't. I, well, I'm, it's it's like a horror film. I think the idea is that it's going to be scary. Yeah, but are you going to be scared? Probably not. <laughs> I say that now, might be terrified. The thing is, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the reins Go for, for, it. for Go this for one it. and I'm gonna get my my two cents in straight <laughs> away. Bear in mind all we all we are going off here is a trailer. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to make us sound like we're big negative Normans. If, no, no. If there's anything negative that's gonna be said. Mm-hmm. We're going off a trailer. The the thing is I want my prediction to be wrong, right? Okay. I, yeah. I really do, right? It sounds like you're gonna be negative here. I mean, in a way, yeah. Come on. 
the reason that I think that this film isn't going to be as good as The Shining is because I don't think it's going to try and push the boundaries as much as The Shining did. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be much worse than that. I agree. Yeah, well, yeah I agree. I, I yeah. agree as well. And like, I, I don't like. I have no idea about the story or anything like that. But I think you know, a lot of films recently have been very like CGI heavy, mm-hmm. and a lot of horror films recently have been very jump scary. And like, yeah. to me, they haven't been like intelligent films. That's what I'm worried about as well. Well, yeah, that in essence is not what The Shining is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know they're not trying to recreate The Shining, mm-hmm. but they are, and I have heard the director state that they're trying to fuse both the novel, because mm-hmm. obviously Doctor Sleep is a book, yeah. and Kubrick's universe, Kubrick's sort of Shining like universe. Yeah. yeah. So if you do watch the trailer, mm-hmm. there is a, a very, I'm going to say it, it looks awful. It's like a CGI <laughs> corridor. Yeah. With Danny riding his trike, stopping outside of room 237. Yeah. And it looks bad. Mm. It looks bad, but... There's still time for it to be fixed. Here's a little prediction of my own. I don't think that'll be in the film. No? Mm-hmm. It's just going off the shine and trying I to get... I think it might be just a... Just in case people aren't sure it's actually... Bring people in. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit worried they're going to fall into just being a stereotypical horror with yeah. jump scares yeah. and... Hopefully not. Yeah. I mean, I really don't want it to be. I want this to be a yeah. really, really good film. But in The Shining, yeah. at the beginning anyway, you're not really sure who is going to be, like, the monster, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it's not Yeah, it's not a typical... I mean, the, the story is completely different yeah. from... So, it, you know, we can't judge it on that sense. It is a completely separate story that just mm-hmm. follows on from the book you know yeah so it's it's a i don't envy the task that they have no not at all. they've got these two entities of their own like kubrick's shining and stephen king's shining mm-hmm. and they're trying to sort of bridge a gap for the sequel yeah to the book but also include kubrick mm-hmm. i think it's crazy but yeah. i mean good luck to them but do you reckon jack nicholson will make an appearance I nah. would, I would love it. I would love it too. Yeah. I wonder if they're gonna like CGI him to make him look a bit. Oh, don't, like, don't, to, don't, to, don't even see that tease. That's the the to the back, worry. Back to eighties, yeah. Jack. Yeah. No. This is this is the problem. Is that like a lot of the trailer? Like I just it I references back to the Shining. Uh-huh. So, but there's there's so many things that happen in it that I just I don't understand how they're gonna link. Yeah. To the to the Shining. Because mm-hmm. no. there's some weird. There is an there is a a sound topic I'd like to talk about. They do it does sound like they're using in the trailer original sound Mm -hmm. samples. Yeah, yeah. So like various things from The Shining, Mm -hmm. and if they do that, my hat will be taken off to them because that'll be really cool. Yeah. Again, a little prediction my own. Don't think they will. (laughs) But I I reckon reckon they'll have similar motifs. Although they'll keep certain. Yeah. Certain things in that me like make people think, oh, shining, rather than just, <laughs> and that's where we shall leave it. Oh, shining. the shining, <laughs> in the wisdom, in the wisdom and glory of Ben Weddle. Everybody <laughs> is very welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to Doctor Sleep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to go and see it. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. try and get us three into a into a cinema that's going to do The Shining and Doctor Sleep in the same sitting. Oh god, like, it'll be so good. I know. Yeah. So we will do a follow up episode when Doctor Sleep comes out, and we yeah. can yeah. do a little review, maybe. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you can email us at the liner notes podcast dot social at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Instagram is the liner notes podcast. Yep. At the liner notes podcast. At the liner notes podcast. Facebook is at the liner notes pcast. Very nice. And Twitter at the liner notes podcast. Whoop. Yeah. And if you want to find our website, it's thelinernotespodcast.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you can find lots of different stuff on there it's not all just uh, podcasts there's some blogs on there some nice photographs mm-hmm. some all funny sorts. photographs mm-hmm. as well yeah. hopefully yeah. and I think you know it's it's going to become a little hub hopefully mm-hmm. of things to yeah. come in the near future definitely so things are looking space. up yeah um, enjoy our rendition of Midnight the Stars and You and we shall say yeah. au revoir goodbye Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you for checking out of the hotel. Yes, it is, Mr. Tony.